Welcome to Practice Link On Air. We help physicians find their first or next practices and manage their career transitions. Let's get started. It happens. You've gone on an interview, liked the organization, but need to complete a few more interviews before you can make your final decision. That's a common scenario for physicians looking for their first or next practice, and it's fine. What isn't fine, though, is the other common scenario when it comes to physicians going through the recruitment process, and that is going dark. Not knowing what to say and instead communicating nothing about your decision-making process to your physician recruiter. Hi, I'm Laura Hammond, Director of Content at PracticeLink. I met up with Therese Karsten, Director of Physician Recruitment for HCA's Continental Division at a recent conference. Here's her take on the common communication issues physicians and recruiters face throughout the recruitment cycle and the easy actions you can take to avoid them. Hi, I'm Laura Hammond, Director of Content here at PracticeLink, the Career Advancement Resource for Physicians. And joining me today is Therese Karsten, the Physician Recruitment Director for HCA Continental Division. Welcome, Therese. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so okay, so the first thing you have to do is pick one of those conversational cards. Okay. And let's see how you'll answer it. What's changed most in your lifetime? That would be uh, communications technology. Because mm. I grew up in the, in the era when we had telephone answering machines and you had to actually <laughs> wait for the phone to physically ring and yes. now everything is so digital. Yeah, that's, great. that's a great lead in actually to our conversation this morning. So we're gonna be talking about the communications problems that can happen between physicians and recruiters during the recruitment process. So you recently wrote an article about this very topic for PracticeLink Magazine. And one of the first things that you mentioned was about an email address. So I admit I once had an email address that was princesslaurabeans at hotmail.com. And so tell me a little bit about what your advice is for physicians with their email when they start the recruitment process. Well, first of all, I, we don't see many Laura Beans anymore. <laughs> Every once in a while, a stranger will come across, but most physicians have already gotten the message about using a version of their name mm. so that when we see the email address, we can identify that this is the physician um, that we're thinking is, is emailing to us. But the biggest problem that happens right now, that what I was cautioning physicians, is to make sure that they are, are using the same email that they put on their curriculum VTAG because sometimes it's six months may have passed since somebody put together their CV and the email that they put on the CV is not the one that they're emailing from on a regular basis or maybe not even one that they check very often. So if they uh, send us something and they get no response, no reaction whatsoever, um, we, we're trying to find them and sometimes they're going dark on us because we're, we're using two different email addresses. That is really good advice. So I know in the past you've also recommended having some kind of a recruitment email address that is the one that you use for recruitment and, and that way you're checking the same email and you're putting that email on your CV and using it on your profile and practice link and gathering all your emails in one place. So, um, so when um, now, there's so many more ways to contact physicians than just email. There's also phones, 
and texting. So yes or no, texting is okay for a physician in a job search? Texting a physician recruiter is a great idea because it's the, the phone is on us, it's surgically implanted just like theirs are. Um, the critical thing is that they need to identify themselves the first time that they text us because although our database identifies them, if, if an email comes in, we can immediately see if we've talked to this person before and even their specialty will pop up as soon as, as, as it recognizes the email address and caller ID will give me the name. But if they text me and they say, Therese, is six o'clock you know, tomorrow night the right time? Well, I might have four physicians who are going out to dinner with different groups in different cities at the same on the same night. So it just helps to, to say, Therese, this is Dr. John Jones asking about my dinner tomorrow night. Um, I've seen two different times on different versions of the itinerary and that, that will identify and I can get the answer to you really quickly that way. So should they identify themselves every time they're texting you, or do you put them in your phone, or what's the, what's the most fail-safe method for that? Fail-safe completely would be to identify every time, but usually the, just the first time, because I will go in and as soon as some, a physician texts me, I'll go in and um, load that number into, into, uh, into my phone so that it pops up as their name when they text me again. So once somebody is in, um, active contract negotiation process, I'll have them in, built into my text so we're, we're able to communicate back and forth. Okay, great. So apparently you can use phones for actually calling people, although I think uh, I just read something about millennials, they, we don't. <laughs> and um, so tell me a little bit about when you're leaving a voicemail or when you're expecting a call from a recruiter, what are some things that you can do on your cell phone to make sure that that is a, a process that, that works? Well, the first thing that a physician should do when they start the interviewing and uh, the whole job search process is call their own voicemail and see what you sound like on the, on the phone. We had one physician who sounded like a little girl, and when I called her and I asked her, uh, I said, I got this feedback that wasn't so great from one of the practices that said that they, they weren't sure about bringing you in for a visit because you sounded so young on the phone. She called the voicemail and told me that that was her at age 16 when she got the voicemail box the first wow. time. So, um, so check to make sure that you sound professional. It still seems like every year we get two or three who do the jokey, hey, hello, hello, and then, oh, gotcha, this is a voicemail. Every, every recruiting cycle we'll get a couple of those. Mm -hmm. So you just want to make it professional, identify with that, with your name, your first name, your last name, so that physicians, uh, practice leaders and administrators who are calling you know that they're leaving a message on the right, in the right place. And that, that really helps a lot. That's great advice, great advice. So as part of the interview process, the, at the end, the goal is to decide if the physician and the practice are a good fit for each other. So when the physician decides no, that they're not going to accept that opportunity, how should they let you know? As quickly as possible, because we're holding the job open uh, for that physician. We're not going to make another offer for, for that position until we have an answer. And sadly, sometimes physicians will decide that they want to hold off and they're, they're still finishing uh, something else and they don't talk to us, they don't let us know. When we ask, when do you think you're going to be letting us know, there's just dead silence. And it's, it's very um, disheartening to the practice because it feels so disrespectful that somebody um, who has just come in and spent three days with them 
suddenly refuses to answer phone calls or, or emails. And I, we understand there's, it might be a difficult conversation to have, but it really, really is an important conversation because it sets um, it sets the record for how you interact with people. And you may be talking to these same people five years from now. And if you if you have gone dark on five practices that I've set you up with, you can bet that I'm going to remember that, that you wouldn't return my call once you sure. had decided to go with another employer. So what are some of the reasons why a physician might not, why they might go dark, why they might not respond to a practice? Mostly it's because they're they're still negotiating another offer and they're they're hoping to keep hours live by not talking to us and that's the, that's the wrong tactic. The best thing to do is to tell us that I'm not quite ready to make a decision. I've had some delays on my side. My attorney hasn't gotten back to me with information, but talk to us. If you need a few more days in a decision, we really want you. We're going to give you that time but you're not burning the bridge with us. Sure, sure. Especially if that's a location that they envision going back to or, or maybe that they're negotiating a, an opportunity in that same city and that might fall through. And so, yeah, to keep those, keep those uh, options open while communicating that you just need a little bit more time. That's true. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for joining us at PracticeLink.com. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PracticeLink on air where we help physicians find their first or next practices and manage their career transitions. For more helpful resources and jobs in more than 5,000 communities, visit us at practicelink.com.